Husker Out Loud is a weekly podcast about San Francisco real estate from the Jackson Fuller team, San Francisco Realtors since 2002. Show notes with links are at jacksonfuller.com. We're at San Francisco City Hall, about to meet the mayor's director of housing delivery, Judson True. Mayor Breed has set a goal of creating at least 5,000 units of housing each year. To help accomplish this, she's aiming to cut the permitting time after planning commission approval in half for large and mid-sized projects. Judson True is tasked with delivering on that goal. Prior to joining the mayor's team, he was chief of staff for Assemblymember David Chu, and in 2017, he played a key role in the passage of a major package of state housing bills to fund affordable housing and streamline production. Please help me welcome Judson True. Hi, Judson. Hey, it's good to talk to you. Thank you so much for taking time out of a very important and probably very busy and demanding job right now. About three months ago, you were appointed to a new position created by Mayor Breed, and your title is, quote, Director of Housing Delivery. So what does that mean exactly, and what can we as San Franciscans expect from you in your role? Yeah, well, it's always daunting to take on a new job, no matter what it is, but I'm the first one to be a, a director of housing delivery, and I'm really honored that Mayor Breed has picked me to play this crucial role in the city. As we know, the housing affordability crisis is you know, not only threatening to displace people who are here, and in fact, displacing people who are here, but also making it incredibly hard for anybody to come to San Francisco without you know levels of wealth that we just would like to have much more affordable housing in the city. And it's really threatening the future of our city. So I'm, I'm honored to be a part of Mayor Breed's effort to take on the housing crisis. Uh, there's a simple answer to your question, uh, which is my job is to do everything I can on behalf of Mayor Breed to meet her goal of 5,000 new units of housing a year, newer rehabilitated, with about a third of them being affordable. That's the goal that she's laid out. I want to do everything I possibly can to meet that goal. What that also means is that I'm just, my task is to get as much housing built as quickly as possible. And that involves uh, working across the city, across all the departments that are involved in housing creation. And, and there are actually many more than people think. But I'm also walking into a city government where a lot of different people are working on housing issues. So of course, I'm going to find the particular place where I can have a big impact. And there was some work that started in 2017 to accelerate the creation of housing. And what I, I can explain this a little bit, but what we would call the post-entitlement period. So after proposed housing project is approved by planning, it's then considered entitled. That's the entitlement to build a certain project. And right now, overall, when we look at the housing pipeline in San Francisco, we're over 70,000 units are in that pipeline, almost 71,000. It's the first time it's ever been over 70. So that's all the units that have been contemplated, been sort of applied for in some form or fashion or that have been approved. And of those 71,000, uh, fully 56,000 have already been entitled or approved. So my focus is to try to get those entitled units built faster, while I'm also still engaging with the entitlement process and helping colleagues who are working on that as well. So just to make sure that I understand that and our listeners understand that, in San Francisco 2019 right now, planning has approved and given the green light to 56,000 units that have yet to actually be constructed. That is absolutely right. And it's not just planning, it's the Board of Supervisors and the Mayor as well, because uh, the vast majority of those units, probably in the forty to 45,000 range of the 56,000 approved units, reside in what we call development agreement projects. And those are the large-scale, multi-phase, almost like generational projects that are creating new neighborhoods in San Francisco. So Park Merced, the shipyard. Yeah, Park Treasure Merced, Island. shipyard, Treasure Island. I was in a long meeting today about Mission Rock, Pier 70, 
And then there's some that are still being negotiated, like the Petro Power Plant, Balboa Reservoir, some of the other approved ones, India Basin, the Schlaglock site down in the very southeast corner of the city. It's really incredible. And I think in some ways we don't talk enough about how these new sort of neighborhoods or micro neighborhoods are going to transform the way the city looks in 5, 10, 15, 20 years. It's remarkable. I mean, think about Mission Bay. Uh, Mission Bay is a new neighborhood. And 15 years ago, there was the golf putting range. There. Yeah, I remember the driving range. I <laughs> driving range yeah, it was like range, a driving yeah. range if you're on 280. Yeah. You could see it. You're like, is that going to hit my car? Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, now we have 12 Mission Bays. And that's, it's remarkable. Yeah, I mean, I remember the first market rate condo building south of the channel in Mission Bay was the Radiance. And it was built and then there was the slowdown. And it was kind of like there was the Radiance out in the middle of nothing, surrounded by tumbleweeds. And you go to Mission Bay now and it's just a completely different... I mean, it's a neighborhood now. It really um, is. I you mean, know, it's got services. People are there. I mean, you know, a lot's happening. It's such a different vibe. You mentioned a lot of projects that are happening of all kind of those big mega projects. Do you have a favor or anything you're really excited about? Well, since I've been working on them for a few months, I kind of already feel a little bit like I'm not a parent, but I know that the cliche is that parents don't want to pick among their children. So uh, not that the projects are, are exactly my children, but I, I really am excited about all of them. I think those two port projects are um, the Pier 70 and, and Mission Rock are both really interesting because the port is a partner in them with the master developer. They're the underlying landowner, and those projects have the potential to help fund port activities like rehabilitating the piers and just making sure that our waterfront is active. And so I think those are especially interesting, but you know, really all of them are. And I think those are also moving quite quickly. They're among all the large projects there. They seem to me, you know, without having been involved in all of them so far to be moving uh, most quickly from when they, the development agreements were approved to when they're starting to move on construction. They're starting to do stuff, move dirt at Pier 70 right now. That's right. The Pier 70 dirt moving really, they were doing a little bit of grading, but they just got an important permit to do some of the, what we call horizontal infrastructure work, which sounds like a uh, really unglamorous. Yeah, like a for a terrible punk band or something like that. But I mean, if you think about it, if you're building new neighborhoods, the hard part, it's not just the buildings, which, you know, a building, depending on the size and whether it's a high rise, you know, 18 months to three years to two and a half, three years, depending on the size. But to get all this horizontal infrastructure permitted, get all the city departments to agree on it, public works, Public Utilities Commission, SFMTA, the fire department, again, departments you don't always think of as being involved in housing, Mm -hmm. that can take a long time. And so I'm trying to help get the departments to communicate and work well together and come up with some faster decisions on some of those issues because we're we're designing new streets. We're putting in new sewers and new new ways to handle our wastewater and our drinking water. And there's actually a lot more complexity than you would maybe think about just from watching a new, new neighborhood go up. So obviously we don't need just housing. We need affordable housing here in the city. Is there an easy way or perhaps not an easy way, but a somewhat understandable way to explain how affordable housing gets funded? Sure. I mean, affordable housing is housing that receives subsidies from various places to help people who couldn't afford market rate rents live in San Francisco or sometimes buy uh, units that are priced below market rate levels. So I think the, the shortest answer is that it's complicated. I mean, <laughs> affordable housing financing is incredibly complicated. And I actually took a picture. I went to the groundbreaking. Uh, Mayor Breed spoke at the groundbreaking for a, a really good size. For, I think it's 130 units or maybe a little more. Uh, Down in the mission? On, in the mission at 1950 Mission. It's a partnership between Mission Housing Corporation and uh, Bridge. And there are a whole lot of other, other partners as well. And there was a sign 
that said the financing provided by, and it was, it was like too many to, that I can list. It was, you know, local state sources, there's tax credits, there's sort of banks that are involved because of the tax credits. So it, it's a really, um, I think one of the things that makes it so hard to get those projects done is that the financing is really complicated and it's also expensive. Like the housing is expensive to build, but there's just housing. And especially right now in San Francisco, we have market rate housing, which is just not affordable to a lot of people, but it doesn't mean we don't need to build it. But then the affordable housing is so important for people that can't make the market rate. But we also have to find solutions for middle income housing as well, which is really important because in theory, if the market was working correctly, market rate housing would be affordable to a broad swath of uh, middle income people. But we all know that that's not the case right now. So um, just because I don't think a lot of people understand you're a policy. I am. I am. I am a policy person. Policy person. Is it safe to say, is it true to say that the funding for affordable housing requires the building of market rate housing? Do they correlate at all? Yeah. In San Francisco, we, and, and in a lot of places um, around really the developed world and, and the country, but but San Francisco is definitely a leader in this. We do have what are called inclusionary requirements that mean that if you're building a market rate project, you either have to build on-site affordable units for rental or for sale, depending on the project, or you have to pay a fee that's calculated based on how many new units you have and, and that kind of thing. And so that is an important funding stream for affordable housing. So that is one of the ways that market rate housing is tied to the production of affordable housing. There's also uh, other kinds of city, state, federal money, but it, there's no doubt that, and we've seen those fees decline as we've seen a little bit of a reduction in in new market rate projects. So that is a concern. Mayor Breed is um, advancing a uh, at least a $300 million housing bond uh, for the November ballot. We're working on that right now. And there's a large um, a working group that includes the board president, as well as important community stakeholders. And that's going to be moving forward in, in the months ahead for hopefully to be on the November ballot. So that would be a significant infusion of money for affordable housing as well. Great. So we've been talking really kind of intensely about housing and San Francisco. Can we ask how you end up in San Francisco? Sure, absolutely. I, I, it's almost so long ago that I, I, I can't remember, but um, I'm from the Midwest originally and went to college on the East Coast. But then my best friend from high school in the Midwest went to college in the Bay Area. And then my brother, who's two years younger, went to the same school. So when I was looking at sort of post-collegiate opportunities, I actually picked uh, grad school at Berkeley to come out to. And that was in 1996. So that was a long time ago. Uh, in the late 20th century. Uh, and <laughs> and I lived in Berkeley for a couple years and then moved into a apartment in San Francisco in 98. Uh, and I happen to still live in that apartment. So wow. yeah, so it's I've, I love San Francisco. It, it has so much of the, you know, it's both a livable community as well as all the all the attractions of an urban area and nature right here as well. I'm so I feel so lucky that my my path brought me here. The press release announcing your new position and, and what you're going to deliver from Mayor Breed mentions that you live in Hayes Valley. And if you've lived in Hayes Valley for that long, you have truly witnessed a neighborhood like reborn. I, yeah, I, it's, it's remarkable. I think it's like, like a lot of things in life. It's one of those things where you kind of look back, in this case, decades later, and you're like, what? It was like that? You know, like, <laughs> I, I remember the, the, the on-ramp for the Central Freeway was gone then, but the off-ramp led off at Fell and Laguna. And I remember 
literally the day it closed in 2003 and then the farm that came and now uh-huh. and now there's actually a, a terrific affordable housing project going up on that site which is called Parcel O right there at Fell and Lagoon and I'm doing what I can to help move that along and advance it and make sure it gets that the construction process goes quickly and smoothly so but yeah, I mean, the Hayes Valley is, it's remarkable now. I think Patricia's Green and the efforts of so many neighbors, I wasn't that involved in it, but I watched it and did participate a little bit. It is remarkable. We also see, you know, we've seen so much housing on the go up on those old freeway parcels in a really um, vibrant retail and restaurant environment. It's great food there. I don't shop there maybe as much as I could. It's pretty, pretty expensive, but, uh, you know, it, it is a great neighborhood. It's really central. And I can get anywhere in the city. And now I do have a 19th century commute because I get to walk to work. Nice. <laughs> 19th century commute. Do you think any of those little tiny parcels along Octavia, those little skinny ones, are those going to ever be? Developed? Yeah, there, there are plans for those. I, I know that um, some of them are actually moving forward sort of closer down towards Market Street. The you know parcel K, which is where the lot is now, where some of the, the retailers are, is slated for an affordable housing development at some point. And I think that, you know, developers in San Francisco are pretty creative and, and you can get a couple of units on, or, you know, like a handful of units mm-hmm. even in the teens on, on some of those lots. So I, I expect that they're going to get developed. I mean, seeing what they pulled off at 8 Octavia, you know. Yeah, that's a, it's, that's a remarkable, <laughs> remarkable building. There's a, in Hayes Valley, um, sorry, in Coal Valley, there's a lot that's 12 and a half feet wide and someone built a house on it. And so I call it the Swedish spaceship yeah. because all the furniture is very, it just, it looks like you're in the Jetsons, which I know are not Swedish, but it's like they had to build it out of components. Yeah, it's so. a lot of a lot of creativity. So there's uh, two final questions for you. There are a ton of housing bills this year kind of in the state legislature. Which are the ones that you're following most closely or you think could have the most positive impact on housing in San Francisco? Yeah, that's a really good question. I come from working at the state level until I started this role with Mayor Breed. I worked for uh, Assemblymember David Chu. I had started working for him when he was on the Board of Supervisors. So I worked on the 2017 housing package, which had combinations of streamlining new housing and also funding for affordable housing. And I think this year has a potential to be even more historic in terms of state legislation related to housing. So I'm working with quite a few colleagues in the mayor's office and around the city, just looking at at those state bills. I think both, uh, there's so many, but I think Senator Weiner has a bill that's related to uh, transitory development. Um, we're, we're looking at that closely and, and the impact on San Francisco and uh, Senator Skinner has another bill that has quite a few different provisions related to it's, it's kind of almost a kitchen sink bill about different ways that local governments impact housing and, and what the state might want to do to limit that. My former boss's uh, David Chu's bill to create a regional housing entity really about funding is actually a potential way to reduce the number of individual funders for affordable housing projects, because the idea would be that this regional entity could function like a, a similar entity in New York that sort of compiles all the funding itself and, and makes it easier for jurisdictions, especially ones like that maybe one don't, place you have yeah, to go that, to. especially ones that aren't as don't have as much experience with affordable housing in San Francisco. Because, and that's why the state efforts are so important. Because San Francisco, Oakland, and San Jose cannot carry the regional housing burden alone. Which is we're not quite alone right now, but it, it, we're close to it. And the state. I think is doing what it can to nudge some other jurisdictions, other smaller cities into really being part of the solution, because it may not seem like there's a housing crisis in some of those smaller cities. If you're in your single family home and you're, you're kind of all set, but 
but we're all part of the Bay Area and the commutes that people are dealing with and the, and the costs, like we all need to, every, every city in the Bay Area needs to play a role. So, and that's actually a great segue to my final question here, which is the Casa Compact was actually an attempt by the nine Bay Area counties to kind of address that issue, you know, housing production in the Bay Area at a regional level. And, you know, it kind of feels like you hit the the point on the head, which is getting the smaller towns to come along. Do you have any thoughts on, on how this all plays out or will it take something at the, the state level happening or are you beginning to see glimmers of cooperation just voluntarily at the yeah, regional I, level? I, I think what the CASA process did was it created a certain amount of agreement, maybe not full consensus with everyone involved, but you know, Mayor Breed certainly supported it. And again, it passed both MTC, the Metropolitan Transportation Commission, and the Association of Bay Area Governments, so our two kind of regional boards related to it. And what it really did around issues of housing production, preservation, and protection for existing residents, it set a framework for then the legislature and different individual state legislators to pick up and run with this year. And so that's why you see so many housing bills in Sacramento. And it's going to be messy and it's going to be hard, but I'm confident that you know, ideally this year, but if not, you know, in the, in the near future, there will be quite a few of those ideas from CASA, you know, coming into law in some form or fashion. I would also be remiss if I didn't mention Governor Newsom's, uh, our former mayor's very strong commitment to getting more housing built in California. I think his goal is something like three and a half million uh, units a year over maybe eight or 10 years, something like that. And that, that represents a significant increase in the amount of housing we're building now. So, you know, my, my short answer on the state issues is I'm, I'm hopeful, but it's going to be hard. It's going to be messy because there is there's some resistance. But I think ultimately it's in everyone's interest to try to solve this housing affordability crisis in the region. Absolutely. One final, final question. Sure. Do you get a, a message every day from Mayor Breed asking how many houses you've built for her today? I mean, more or less. I mean, <laughs> it, you know, it's one thing I'm absolutely sure of is her commitment to this goal and how determined she is to see me cut through the bureaucracy and really try to deliver for San Franciscans. I mean, she's a native San Franciscan, you know, seen a lot of friends uh, displaced or not be able to stay here or not have their, their kids be able to live here. And so she wants to know why I didn't get 5,000 done already in two months. So I think uh, I respect that impatience and that, and I'm going to, I'm going to run with it. And we should stop taking up your time then. So thank you so much for no, joining thank us Thank you so today. much. It's great to talk to you. Thank you, Judson. Thank you both. Yeah. Esker Out Loud is a weekly podcast about San Francisco real estate from the Jackson Fuller team, San Francisco realtors since 2002. Show notes with links are at jacksonfuller.com. 